0: First light of the morning, I can see this is America on Par, a powerful punch of political punditry in a pithy podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Parr. Thanks for listening. Thanks for checking things out. Back in the 90s or the early 2000s, there was a commercial for ESPN starring Chris Berman. And the idea was that Berman was teaching a university level class on football history. And he's talking to the students about a game, and late in the fourth quarter, and the team that's behind has the ball on the two-yard line. They're about to score, take the lead, and win the game. But the quarterback throws an interception. And Berman then asks the class, what should he have done instead? And one student says, "Uh, drop it off to the tight end. No, Berman bellows. Um, run it up the middle with the running back. Nope. Uh, try a quarterback sneak. No, he shouldn't throw the interception fundamentals. People just don't throw the interception. (laughs) I kind of feel that way with this election. Hillary Clinton is beatable. But ever since the Republican convention ended, Trump has been throwing one interception after another. I call them unforced errors. He gets sucked into pointless personal fights with people who don't really matter in the long run. The Khan family, Miss Universe. These petty and petulant Twitter tantrums hurt him every single time. They make Trump look small. He comes across as an unstable, thin-skinned bully. And each time he does it, his poll numbers go down. I have two pieces of advice for Mr. Trump. And these aren't even my pearls of wisdom. I stole them from two great men who I admire and have a tremendous amount of respect for. The first comes from my father. Don't be stupid on purpose. Look, everyone makes a mistake now and then. But once it's obvious that it was a mistake, it's important to make sure you don't do it again. If you're going to do something that hurts you over and over and over and over again, then it's no longer a mistake. It's being stupid on purpose. And that's just dumb. Don't be stupid on purpose. Being stupid on accident is fine. Everybody does that. It, it's not desirable, but it is understandable. But being stupid on purpose is how you get Hillary Clinton elected president. The second piece of advice comes from James McManus, the the head pastor at my church, Word of God Ministries. He said, quote, A man who defends himself will never be great. A man who defends himself will never be great. Now, this is a counterintuitive nugget of wisdom. Why would defending yourself be a bad thing? One of the things I learned as a meteorologist is that when you're in the public eye, you are going to get criticism. Some of it will be deserved, and some of it won't. Probably most of it's not. But if your first instinct is to defend yourself from all criticism, then you'll never allow the deserved criticism to reach your consciousness. And that means you can't absorb what was being said and adjust for it and become better. See, like stereotypes, criticism usually has a small nugget of truth as its basis. Now, in stereotypes, it gets blown way out of proportion in unfair ways. Same thing can happen in unfair criticism as well. But if you're busy defending and deflecting and denying, then you won't spend any time looking for the truth that may lie at the heart of the criticism. Your critic may be telling you something that can make you better. If you're blocking it out, you'll never find it. At the same time, your defensive reactions will likely lead you someplace you don't really want to go. If someone says something bad about you and you instinctively fire right back, you become part of the problem. You take a single comment and turn it into a fight. The best defense is a good offense, right? So you become offensive. And you will end up alienating the person you're fighting against and any neutral observers of the fight. A man who defends himself will never be great. If you really deserve to be defended, others will stand up for you. And for all of my Christian listeners who are still questioning this wisdom, ask yourself, who was the greatest man who ever lived? Jesus, right? Did Jesus ever defend himself? No, not even once. Gandhi, Martin Luther King, neither of these men was defensive. Yet there are numerous examples of people who were brought down by being defensive to a fault. Vice President Aaron Burr killed Alexander Hamilton in a duel defending his honor and in process became a fugitive from the law, went from vice president to fugitive. Hamilton didn't take away Burr's honor. Burr did that himself in a defensive rage. Donald Trump says he wants to make America great again, but he won't be able to do that unless he becomes great first. He can't become great if he's wasting his time defending himself from even the slightest criticism, which brings me to Saturday Night Live. SNL's job is to criticize the powerful in a humorous way. It's not just criticism, it's satire, which is a particularly potent form of criticism. If you are running for president, you will be criticized by Saturday Night Live. This is a tradition that goes all the way back to Chevy Chase and his impersonation of Gerald Ford. So it shouldn't have been surprising to Trump that SNL was going to make fun of his second debate performance. But there he was, Sunday morning, hanging out on Twitter trying desperately to defend himself against more criticism. Here's what he tweeted out early Sunday morning. Quote, Watch Saturday Night Live hit job on me. Time to retire the boring and unfunny show. Alec Baldwin portrayal stinks. Media rigging election exclamation point. Okay, first, it wasn't a hit job. They were at least as rough on Hillary as they were on Trump. For example... Take a My question is, do you feel that you're modeling appropriate and positive behavior for today's youth? Hi, Patrice. <laughs> uh, let me uh, start by walking over to you just as I practiced. <laughs> right, left, right, left, right, left, plant, speak. Uh, now, uh, Patrice, you're a teacher? No. Uh, you have kids? No. You like kids? No. You've seen kids? Yeah. Okay, great. We're bonding already. Oh, my friend Patrice. Patrice, I, I strive to be a positive role model for all children. Uh, children like my daughter, Chelsea, and my granddaughter, Chelsea Jr., I'm Kate McKinnon's Hillary is a calculating, power-hungry android. If you weren't giving them so much comedic fodder with the way you've been behaving, Clinton would have come off far worse than you did. Second, every generation thinks SNL is no longer funny. See, that's one of the keys to the show's success. It has been repeatedly able to speak to a new audience. Yes, it does go through growing pains in the transitions, but it remains relevant and influential. You calling SNL not funny means you are not part of their target demographic anymore. If you are one of the many people who do not think that Saturday Night Live is as funny as when you were younger, then odds are you're over 34 years old. By calling SNL not funny, Trump is actually calling himself old. Politically, that's about as smart as Dan Quayle insulting Murphy Brown. Third, Baldwin's portrayal was pretty good. Maybe it's not as good as Dana Carvey's George H.W. Bush or Frank Gallendo's John Madden, but it's a hell of a lot better than Chevy Chase's Gerald Ford or Norm MacDonald's Bob Dole or Colonel Sanders or really any Norm MacDonald impression. Finally, yes, big media wants you to lose this election. But you aren't going to convince people of that by complaining that a comedy show whose job it is to make fun of people running for president actually made fun of you because you're running for president. See, by being defensive, Trump missed an important and legitimate critique. That is how he's handled the claims of sexual assault against him. Take a listen. Martha, she is trying to silence these women, but they need to be respected. They need their voices heard. What about all the women accusing you of sexual assault? They need to shut the hell up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That's a legitimate critique. Undecided voters will look at both circumstances and say, I don't see the difference. What Trump needed to do was to recognize the legitimacy of that criticism and work to improve his messaging on his alleged misogyny. Really, you can learn a lot from how someone makes fun of you. Listen to Chevy Chase's impression of Gerald Ford. Now, at the present rate of taxation on GNP of 39%, doesn't this come to about the same $60 billion in increased revenue? It was my understanding that there would be no math. During the debates. <clears throat> now, I, I am prepared to answer any domestic uh, questions, perhaps something about me and Betty. Chevy Chase made no effort to either look like or sound like President Ford. It was almost as if Ford didn't really matter. And since he was the only person to become president without having been voted on by a national election, that's part of what SNL was trying to portray. The man, Gerald Ford, didn't really matter that the Office of Presidency did, and the audience got it. Now, listen to how Phil Hartman portrayed Ronald Reagan. Some may wonder which was worse, your knowing or your not knowing. Well, all I can say is I didn't know. And, well, we're trying to find out what happened because none of us know. (laughs) Well, thank you, Mr. President. Well, I hope I've answered your questions as best I could, given the very little that I know. (laughs) Goodbye, and God bless you. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you very much. Okay, get back in here. All right, let's get down to business. I'm only gonna go through this once, so it's essential that you pay attention. One, Casey. Yes, sir. You'll spearhead our new operation to fund the Contras. The C-5As with the tow missiles and grenade launchers will leave for South Africa at 0800 hours. I want you to supervise the loading. Two, Regan. Yes, sir. Well, I'm afraid you're going to have to resign. But first you'll make a public statement supporting me, which I wrote myself. It's over there on the word processor. See, the idea was that Reagan was all grandfatherly in public, but the real mastermind behind the scenes. It's an exaggeration, but one that the public could envision. That's because, unlike Ford, Reagan did matter. You see how small truths are coming out in the satire? One more. Tina Fey's Sarah Palin. This is also with uh, Amy Poehler's Hillary Clinton. You know, Hillary and I don't agree on everything. Anything. I believe that diplomacy should be the cornerstone of any foreign policy. And I can see Russia from my house. (laughs) Yeah, that impersonation was devastating to Palin. It played on small pieces of truth. Her accent, her odd phrasing, her lack of national experience. Palin later went on SNL herself to try and repair the damage, and and to SNL's credit, they let her on. But it was too late. She was sunk. SNL won't change the opinions of either base, the Democrats or the Republicans, but they can have a significant impact on the undecided voter by reinforcing pre-existing stereotypes about the candidates. As a candidate, you're not going to win back those undecideds by criticizing SNL. Republicans won't win them back by going on SNL either, just to ask Palin how that worked out for her. But you can laugh at yourself. Both George H.W. Bush and George W. Bush were able to laugh off the SNL criticisms. Bush 43, uh, I think, really helped him. His self-deprecating humor allowed him to retain the White House, especially since his opponent at the time, John Kerry, couldn't laugh at himself. Instead, Trump is being stupid on purpose. He's picking a Twitter fight he can't win in an effort to defend himself against valid criticism. There may still be some things Trump can do to win the election. He can run it up the middle and talk about how trade is hurting workers in the Rust Belt. He can toss it to the tight end and hammer how corrupt Hillary is and how that corruption hurts all Americans. What he can't do is throw the interception. In politics, Twitter wars are turnovers. They take you off of your strengths and they make you look petty. Hillary Clinton is not winning this election right now because she deserves to be president or because she's a good candidate. She's winning because of Trump's unforced errors. Those have to stop. If Trump wants to make America great, then he's going to have to be great. And that means he must stop defending himself. And he must stop being stupid on purpose. Thanks for listening. If you like these podcasts, please share them with your friends on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to leave a comment, you can always do so on my website americaonpar.com. I'm Stephen Parr, and I can still see old glory flying over me. I can see old
1: glory
0: over me. In the first light of the morning, I can see old glory